This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest wi-fi access for customers bt's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy whatever your business bt's got your back search bt's got your back hello this is the red box podcast on the times of me matt jolly featuring the best of my times radio show monday to thursday 10 till 1 you can listen to us on dab radio on your smart speaker on the times radio app or online at times.radio a cracking response to our appeal for uh, US election correspondents. We basically want to try and find a listener in every US state if we possibly can. We have already got Connecticut, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Minnesota, California, New York, Colorado, Kansas and Illinois. So if you're in any of the other US states and you want to come on the radio on election night, get in touch with me. Email me matt.chorley at times.radio. A packed Times Radio show today. We spoke to uh, the four corners of the UK for Disunited Kingdom when we tried to get out of the Westminster bubble. We talked about girl gangs, um, some really harrowing stories there and about the efforts to try and tackle them. We also heard from Wilfred Frost, the son of Sir David Frost. He's got a new podcast releasing some amazing interviews with uh, the David Foss carried out, including a new unheard interview with Joe Biden from the 1980s, one of the first times that he ran for president. Uh, so that was really interesting. But of course, because it was Wednesday, it must be time for this. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman. So welcome along to PMQ's Unpacked, where we pause the action live from the House of Commons Chamber to try and explain what is going on. I'm joined in the studio by Tim Shipman political editor of the Sunday Times. Afternoon, Tim. Good afternoon, Matthew. So, it's been a bit repetitive for the last few weeks uh, between uh, Keir Starmer and uh, Boris Johnson. Uh, Explain what we've endured in recent weeks and why this week might be slightly different. Well, there's been a lot of uh, Keir Starmer asking Boris Johnson why he's doing things and saying these things aren't working, uh, why aren't they working? And Boris Johnson replies, well, you supported all of these things and are you changing your mind now? Um, Seems a bit of a rum-do that you're changing your mind. Well, Keir Starmer appears now to have actually changed his mind and he's supporting uh, this circuit-breaker lockdown idea. Um, And we're going to see how hard Boris Johnson uh, resists all that today. It's not without a political risk, this, though, is it? I mean, in a way, although it was slightly tedious for us watching, uh, Keir Starmer taking the position of, we support the measures, you know more about this than I do, if this is what you want to do, you've got my support, but I reserve the right to uh, note when it doesn't pan out as you planned. Once you start throwing in your own ideas, you open yourself up to criticism. Uh, Yes, though on this one, it's the ideas that have the support of the SAGE uh, Committee of Scientists, um, and a considerable number of uh, of MPs. Um, 
Boris Johnson has another wide open flank from a bunch of his MPs who don't want any kind of lockdown. Well, Boris Johnson's up in the House of Commons now. He's just answering a, a backbench uh, question. We'll go to Keir Starmer as soon as he's on his feet uh, for what is one of the most hotly anticipated uh, uh, rounds. Um, uh, and then we've also got um, Ian Blackford will be coming up, the leader of the SNP. Uh, they're riding high with more and more polls showing that independence is increasingly popular. Yeah, and every week Blackford is quite adept at getting in questions that get him a good soundbite um, and help uh, with that particular battle. And, uh, you know, Boris Johnson is focused on COVID. He's got that to fight too. OK, this is Keir Starmer in the House of Commons. COVID strategy, and I quote him, will be governed entirely by the science. On the 21st of September, the government's own scientific advisers, SAGE, gave very clear advice. They said a package of interventions, including a circuit breaker, will be needed to prevent an exponential rise in cases. Why did the Prime Minister reject that advice and abandon the science? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, uh, we will do whatever it takes to fight this virus and and to defeat it. Uh, But since he quotes the sage advice, I might just remind him that on page one it says that all the interventions considered uh, have associated costs in terms of health and well-being and that policymakers will need to consider analysis of economic impacts and the associated harms alongside this epidemiological assessment. And the advice that I have uh, today, Mr Speaker, is that if we do the regional approach that commended itself to the House and indeed to the right honourable gentleman on Monday, uh, Mr Speaker, we can bring down the R and we can bring down the virus. So uh, will he stick to his position of Monday and support that approach? OK, let's jump in there. An interesting uh, line from Keir Starmer, accusing Boris Johnson of abandoning the science. Obviously, for weeks and months, we were told uh, that we were being led by the science. Yes, that's right. Uh, SAGE have uh, not been followed to the letter um, from the beginning of this crisis, but clearly it looked like the government was following them slightly more closely uh, in March and April than they want to do now. Uh, the interesting thing to me is Boris Johnson, uh, from his position, quite rightly says there are other costs. Um What we haven't seen the government doing is building the argument that those costs would actually be very much higher than the costs of uh, of allowing the virus to run a little bit more freely. Um, And so far, they haven't brought forward that evidence. They haven't presented, uh, you know, evidence that lots more people would die because they're missing cancer appointments and all that kind of thing. Is is Boris Johnson prepared to actually go out and make that argument? Because it feels at the moment like Keir Starmer is pushing at a door that's already ajar and that at some point in the next few weeks the government probably will have to cave in and uh, do this circuit breaker thing, in which case some of his MPs are saying, well, why not just get on with it? Um, But if Boris Johnson is prepared to dig in, make the argument that actually it might be worse to do that, um, uh, he should get on and make it. It'll be interesting to see if he's got any facts and figures at his fingertips as as well as that argument. Yeah, because all we've had so far is Sage's analysis of what these various things might do to the R rate and the spread of the virus. What we haven't really seen is sort of government modelling on economic impact, health impact, excess deaths from other other causes as well. Well, let's go back to the House of Commons. Keir Starmer. I don't think that approach goes far enough. And neither does Sage. And the Prime Minister... The Prime Minister talks of the costs. Since he rejected Sage's advice on the 21st of September, I remind him, the R rate has gone up. The infection rate has quadrupled. Hospital admissions have gone from 275 a day to 628 a day in England. 
Yesterday, 441 COVID patients were on ventilators, and the number of deaths recorded was tragically the highest since June the 10th. That's the cost of rejecting the advice. SAGE has a clear view on why that's happening. What's the Prime Minister's view on why these numbers are all heading in the wrong direction? Mr Speaker, I I set that out very clearly in the House on uh, on Monday, and uh, the difference between uh, this stage of the the pandemic and March and April, as uh, as, uh, the House knows very well, is that the disease is appearing much more strongly in some parts of the country than in others. And uh, in Liverpool, for instance, alas, the figures are now running at 670 cases per 100,000 against 33 cases per 100,000 in Cornwall. 540 cases per 100,000 in Newcastle, alas, against 32 in North Norfolk. And that is why the tiered approach, the three-tiered approach that we set out on Monday and that he then supported is the right way forward. And uh, we want to put in the most stringent measures necessary in the places where the virus is surging in order to get it down where it is surging, Mr Speaker. That is the, that is the logical thing to do. Uh, so will he get on to uh, his Labour friends in the, those parts of the north of England where we want to work with them to put those very stringent measures in place in order to deliver the reductions that the whole country wants to see. Will he support those measures? Because he wouldn't support them last night, Mr Speaker. Yes, Starmer. Well, this is a bit more of a muddle than we were uh, necessarily expecting. So Keir Starmer there, um, Boris Johnson pointing out, Keir Starmer backed the regional uh, lockdown uh, approach on Monday when the tier uh, three-tier system was announced and Labour mayors are sort of lobbying not to be put into uh, uh, the stringent restrictions um, whereas Keir Starmer wants to go even further and lock down the whole of England. A part of that is because of the way these things have been designed. So you've got two arguments here. There's one big argument about whether you should be locking down or not or whether it's uh, better to try and just control the virus. The other is if you decide you're going to do these tiered lockdowns, what do the tiers look like? And the, the complaint of a lot of MPs and some of these mayors, there's not much point being in tier two because you've got a bunch of restrictions that cause economic damage, but you're not getting uh, the full economic support from the Treasury in those situations. Um, And it may not stop the virus and it causes economic damage. Some of them would rather be in tier three, where at least they're getting more compensation from the Treasury. So there's a whole business of of whether or not it's designed. And Boris Johnson there in reply says that, you know, they are taking the most stringent measures necessary in the worst hit areas. He's right that it's way worse in Liverpool than in Cornwall or Norfolk. But Chris Whitty, the chief medical officer, says even the most stringent measures are not going to work, the ones that he's put in place. So so the tough measures don't work in the areas where it's worse. And then you've got a load of other places which have got very, very low levels of cases. You might think, well, why are we being um, going to be clobbered and told to stay indoors for two weeks? Absolutely. And and consistently, Boris Johnson has previously wanted a national approach. He now wants a regional approach. Um, He now wants a regional approach. And yet all all of the polls suggest that the public just want tougher and tougher restrictions because they want the virus to go away. Let's go back to the Commons. Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, I think the Prime Minister's behind the curve again. He probably hasn't noticed that this morning the council leaders in Greater Manchester that he's just quoted, including the Mayor and including the Conservative leader of Bolton Council, have said in a press statement that they support a circuit break above Tier 3 restrictions. Keep up, Prime Minister. The big problem, the big problem the Prime Minister has, and it's from the sage minutes that make it absolutely clear that his two main policies, track and trace and local restrictions, simply haven't worked. And we can't stand by. In June, the Prime Minister told me that track and trace would play a vital part 
in ensuring that we do not have a second spike this winter. His words. Three months later, SAGE have concluded that track and trace, their words, is only having a marginal impact on transmission. They go on to say, and this is the really worrying part, that this is likely to further decline in the future. Further decline. So let's not have the usual nonsense that anyone asking the Prime Minister a question about track and trace is somehow knocking the NHS. This is SAGE's assessment, the government's own advisers. So after £12 billion, let's have a straight answer. Why does the Prime Minister think that his track and trace system has gone so wrong? Just before we hear from Boris Johnson, it's interesting that Keir Starmer is sort of uh, now trying to answer the question that he's asking as, he's, as he expects Boris Johnson to, to try and get a different answer this time. Uh, yes, um, it's all very well to preempt Boris Johnson, but uh, history suggests he will still find a way of <laughs> arriving at the answer that he would the same, at. The same, yeah, just pointing out, I don't want you to say this, doesn't necessarily stop him doing it. Let's hear what he's got to say. Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, it's this thanks to NHS Test and Trace uh, that is now testing more people than any other country in Europe that we know that we know where the disease is surging. And it's, we know uh, that it is regionally distributed rather than nationally distributed at the moment. And that gives us a chance now to do the right thing. He wants to close pubs, he wants to close bars, he wants to close businesses in areas across the country where the incidence is low. And he wants to, that's what he wants to do, and he wants to do it now, and yet he, and yet he voted to do nothing last night, nothing in the areas where the incidence is highest, Mr Speaker. Uh, he says one thing at, at five o'clock about calling for a national lockdown when it came to a vote in this House of Commons, Mr Speaker, to impose more stringent measures, he failed even to turn up. Starmer! Um, we should point out what Boris Johnson is talking about there. Is there was this uh, vote on the, the statutory instruments, they call it, for uh, invoking the, the new three-tiered system, which Labour abstained on. There were, actually, there were some uh, votes against on, the, on the, the idea of pubs having to shut at 10 o'clock, but that was all Tory MPs. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's becoming a, a bit like a lot of these uh, debates um, over the last few weeks. Um, we are just gradually digging down into the detail and we haven't we're at that stage of the chat where we haven't yet reached the sort of rhetorical flourishes um i call this a transitional question <laughs> <laughs> this is just a difficult third question before exactly. hopefully this is the science bit as jennifer anderson used to say in her adverts <laughs> before we got to the sort of payoff line at the end I, well i have to say when we came in this morning i didn't think you were going to you were going to compare keir starmer to uh, jennifer aniston but you know well, these both got beautiful hair beautiful beautiful long locks stay well informed on westminster and beyond with a subscription to the times and the sunday times search the times.co.uk forward slash red box and get one month free Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Let's see uh, if um, Keir Starmer's going to rev up for a big finish. Mr Speaker, I know that for someone who's been an opportunist all his life, this is difficult, this is difficult to understand. Uh, yes, he is going to rev up. But having out. read and considered the sage advice, I have genuinely concluded that a circuit break is in the national interest. Genuinely concluded. Mr Speaker, it's the failure of the Prime Minister's strategy that means tougher measures are now unavoidable. That's Sage's view. Sage has advised that a circuit breaker should act to reduce R below 1, should reset the incidence of disease to a lower level and should set the epidemic back by approximately 28 days or more. All three are vital and that's why Labour backs it. So can the Prime Minister tell us what is his alternative plan to get R below one? R below one. Um, <laughs> I know he's been an opportunist all his life. Uh, we should point out the background to that. Last night, uh, after Keir Starmer called for the, um, the, uh, the, the circuit breaker lockdown, a senior government source, as it was known, or basically someone from number 10, texted lots of journalists saying, Keir Starmer is a shameless opportunist. So I think that was very much the... Uh, uh, that's what you are, that is, response from Keir Starmer. Yes, and we begin, we're now at the, um, yes, uh, Badil and Newman stage of proceedings. <laughs> Your mum, yeah, she would have locked us down. Yeah, or... that, that's what you are, that's what that is. Um, uh, and then, it, but also Keir Starmer still trying to rise above it, saying he's genuinely concluded in the national interest. Yes, it was an interesting sort of one-two punch there, wasn't it? A sort of rabbit punch in the kidneys, followed by an attempt to appear statesmanlike and sweep his hands in a wide gesture, saying he was doing it all for the country. I am punching you in the kidneys for the country, Prime Minister. <laughs> well, let's see if the Prime Minister is wounded remotely. Uh, Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, the plan is the plan that the Right Honourable Gentleman uh, supported on Monday. Uh, and and the, the, the whole point, Mr Speaker, is to seize this moment now to avoid the misery of another national lockdown into which he wants to go uh, headlong by delivering a regional solution. And, uh, Mr Speaker, opportunism is, I'm afraid, the name of the game for the party uh, opposite because uh, they, they, backed, they backed the rule of six, or he backed the rule of six, and then refused uh, to vote for it. Uh, at, at, I think at three o'clock, Mr Speaker, the Shadow Health spokesman said that a national lockdown would be disastrous. At five o'clock, he was calling for it, uh, Mr Speaker. Let's, let's, let's go back to the approach that he was supporting on, uh, on Monday. Let's try to avoid the misery of another national lockdown, which he would want to impose, as I say, in a, in a headlong way. And let's work together, let's work together, as, as he was prepared to do on Monday, to keep kids in school, who he would now yank out, yank out of school in a peremptory uh, way, keep our economy going, and keep jobs uh, and livelihoods supported in this country, Mr Speaker, and let's take the commonsensical regional approach, and will he kindly uh, spell out to all his colleagues uh, across the whole of the country that that is the best way forward, as indeed he did on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> no, opportunist is what you are. The opportunism is the name of the game. He paused. I thought he was just going to stop there, but, but for the party opposite. Um, 
I think what's interesting about all this is that um, Boris Johnson is, for the first time, putting himself dramatically at odds with the polling. A lot of what they've done um, has been justified because uh, that's what the public wants. And now he appears to be doing stuff that the public doesn't want. The onus is slightly on the Prime Minister to make a more robust argument, I think, about why he's doing it. Um, There's the kernel of one there saying, you know, people don't want their kids taken out of school particularly, um, and you know, it's going to damage the economy. But there's no sort of metric for it. Um, and I think if if he wants to continue to make that argument, he's going to need to start producing some uh, some scientists with some numbers who can back up what he's saying, because at the moment it feels like this is a situation that's going to run away from him in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, for a government that's often accused of being led by polling and obsessed with focus groups and all that, there is no doubt at all that the public wants uh, much, much, much tougher restrictions than the government's currently proposing. Yeah, and there are some Tories who think you should use polling to take um, the public from position A to position B. You should work out where they are and what arguments will work to to change their minds. Um, And at the moment, Boris Johnson is sort of trying to do that, but he doesn't seem to have the arguments at his fingertips at the moment. OK, uh, let's go back to Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, following the advice is now uh, apparently opportunistic. Presumably he'll say the same to the leader of Bolton Council, a Conservative leader, who this morning said he supports a circuit break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Spe- Mr Speaker, I've just listened to what the Prime Minister said about his strategy to get R below one. But I can't think of a single scientist who backs him. He will know that the Chief Medical Officer said on Monday that he, his words, Chief Medical Officer, not confident, nor is anyone confident, that the Tier 3 proposals for the highest rate would be enough. That's Tier 3. That's Tier 3, the highest tier. So why is the Prime Minister so confident that his approach will get the R rate below 1, so confident, or is that no longer the government plan. I'm afraid, Mr Speaker, he is misrepresenting the position. Doubtless, doubtless, doubtless inadvertently, what, what our advice is that if the regional measures are Tier 3 all, at all levels were implemented in full, uh, with the support and the active uh, cooperation of local uh, leaders, as indeed we have seen from the, uh, the leader of Liverpool uh, City Region, and I, I pay tribute to him and I, I thank him for, for what he is doing. If we saw full and proper enforcement, uh, if uh, they were able to conduct proper local test and trace with the support of the £500 million that we're giving, then yes, those measures those measures would deliver, Mr Speaker, the reduction in the R locally, regionally that we need in order to avert what none of us want to see, what none of us want to see, except now the Right Honourable Gentleman having performed this extraordinary U-turn, none of us want to see, and that is the disaster, the disaster, the words of the Shadow Health spokesman, of a national lockdown. We don't want to go there. We want the regional approach. He should cooperate with it. We should just point out there, before we take the last question from Keir Starmer, that the, the uh, Labour health spokesman he keeps referring to is Jonathan Ashworth, who's been the Shadow Health Secretary for some time. He was in the House of Commons yesterday afternoon uh, uh, talking down the prospect of a national lockdown. Yes, and but also they're praising Steve Rotherham, from, uh, the Labour leader of uh, the Liverpool region, um, for supporting these measures and working with the government um, to draw them up. I mean, it's striking there that Boris Johnson says, you know, this stuff will work if everybody goes along with it. Um, but the situation he now finds himself in is that uh, the official opposition is not going along with it, a decent number of regional leaders are not going along with it, and the polls suggest that the public is not going to go along with it. 
Yeah, a tough political sell there. It's interesting that Boris Johnson is trying to uh, undermine Keir Starmer's uh, position as, uh, you know, it's an embarrassing U-turn and he's all over the place rather than really tackling head on. Uh, would a circuit break lockdown actually bring down the R rate and save some lives, which is also the big, uh, the big challenge from Keir Starmer. Let's, let's go to their last exchange. Mr Speaker, I've supported the government in all their measures so far. And I've, and I've, taken, and I've taken criticism of it. But I think this measure is wrong and a circuit breaker is in the national interest. I've read the advice of SAGE and the government has rejected it. Mr Speaker, this is my last question and I'm sure the Prime Minister, I'm sure the Prime Minister has his pre-prepared rant ready as usual. But we're at a tipping point. More preempting. Time is running out. Maybe you can seize the moment and answer a question. This morning the Telegraph quotes senior government sources saying the chances of the Prime Minister backing a circuit break in the next two weeks are about 80%. Is that right? And if it is, why doesn't he do it now, save lives, fix testing and protect the NHS? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, this is a a rather long gentleman who claims to be uh, supporting the government one day uh, and then performs a dramatic uh, U-turn the next. Everybody, Mr Speaker, he claims to support the rule of six one day, then uh, pulls his support the next. Uh, he wants tough measures and then refuses to, to vote for them. Everybody, Mr Speaker, can see what he's doing. Yeah. Labour have said it themselves. They see this, Mr Speaker, as a good crisis for the Labour Party and one uh, they wish to exploit. Uh, we see this as a national crisis that we are going to turn around. And the way we're going to do it, Mr Speaker, the way we're going to do it, and I, I, I rule out nothing, of course, in, in combating the virus. But we are going to do it with the local, the regional approach that can drive down and will drive down the virus if it is properly implemented. And that is what I believe he should be supporting. He said he'd, be, he said he'd support it on Monday, Mr Speaker. This is our opportunity to keep things going, to keep our kids in school. To keep our businesses going. That, I think, is what the people of this country want to do. This is our opportunity to do that and to suppress the virus where it is surging. Uh, He refuses to accept that approach today. I hope that not for the first time, Mr Speaker, he will change his mind and think the better of his actions. So, Tim Trim, at the end of the exchange there between uh, Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer, was that quite the... Um, uh, I'm not sure we got through quite as much metaphorical popcorn. Uh, that was more of a welter than a belter, I think. Um, and Starmer accused Johnson of having a pre-prepared sort of uh, knockout punch. Uh, well, he didn't. Um, <laughs> uh, and Starmer's own... Foresight didn't spot that Sta- one. Well, and, and Starmer's own final question was more of a whimper than a bang. Um, I mean, I think the interesting thing is, if Starmer had wanted to go much harder, he could have started quoting the figures that say, if you don't do this, 3,000 people die or 100,000 people die, depending on which period you're talking about. You know, there's some pretty punchy stuff out there that he could have brought to bear and he didn't. Um, uh, But one of the more interesting ideas in the newspapers this morning was Danny Finkelstein in The Times saying, look, in times past, at moments of great national crisis like this, we've invited the opposition in to form a view and become part of the the decision-making process. Um, I've not seen anything today that makes me think that that is either likely to be offered or likely to be accepted. I think you're right. I think the most notable thing for me was right at the end, Boris Johnson saying, I rule nothing out. He's got to go with a regional approach um, uh, to drive it down if it's implemented properly.
So it doesn't totally rule out the possibility there may be a change of No, direction. and he should perhaps talk to his own staff if they're going around telling journalists that there's an 80% likelihood that he's going to change his mind sometime soon, because on that basis, Starmer is right. You might as well get on with it. Uh, now, while that exchange was going on, there's been some breaking news on the Scottish front. There's a new Ipsos Mori poll out uh, showing support for Scottish independence now at 58%. Uh, uh, no on 42%. That's a 16-point lead for yes, the highest that's ever been. Two-thirds of Scots saying that the UK government should allow a rerun of the 2014 referendum within the next five years if the SNP wins a majority of the Holyrood elections uh, in uh, May next year. It was certainly something that came up a lot when we did the focus group with Scottish voters a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, with perfect timing, let's go to Ian Blackford, the SNP leader. pension scheme will lead to a tsunami of unemployment. <coughs> Brewdog is just one of thousands of businesses across Scotland and the United Kingdom demanding that the Tory government U-turn on its reckless plans to scrap the furlough scheme. There are just two weeks left to save people's jobs and livelihoods. So Prime Minister, in the next fortnight you have two choices. Extend the full furlough scheme or inflict a tsunami of unemployment on our people this winter. What is the Prime Minister going to choose. Furlough, a familiar theme. Uh, I thank the Right Honourable Gentleman. As he knows, the uh, Chancellor has already unveiled the, the job support uh, system a scheme which will go through till uh, next year. And uh, for those on, on, on low incomes, they will also have the additional benefit of universal credit, uh, which again is going through uh, in its uplifted form, a thousand extra per year uh, through uh, to next April, at least. Ian Blackford. My goodness, Mr Speaker, that answer really does just show that the Prime Minister doesn't get it. Universal credit. Is that really what the Prime Minister is saying to those that could be saved? People don't want to hear of these boasting and the excuses that we get. They want action. And these half measures don't cover it. Thousands have already lost their jobs. The ONS has confirmed the highest rate of redundancies since 2009. We're heading towards a Tory winter of mass unemployment created by the Prime Minister and the Chancellor. We know what the Prime Minister's Tory colleagues are saying. The Prime Minister's next job could be on the back benches. He just doesn't know it yet. If the Prime Minister won't U-turn on his plans to scrap furlough, does he realise he will never, not ever, be forgiven for the damage he's just about to cause to people up and down Scotland? Prime Minister. Uh Mr. Speaker, as I, as I, as I say, and I con I've said many times to the right honourable gentleman, this government is continuing to uh, support people across the whole of the UK. Uh, many billions of pounds in Barnet Consequentials, at least five billion pounds in Barnet Consequentials uh, for Scotland uh, alone. And, uh, but one thing I will, I will congratulate him on is the Scottish Nationalist Party's support for the tiered approach. Uh, which I think is still uh, their policy, uh, Mr Speaker, unlike uh, the party opposite. At least they're showing some, some vestige of, of consistency in their normal gelatinous behaviour. <laughs> Let's head over to Hendon. <laughs> gelatinous behaviour. Boris John's a bit more downbeat than normal. I do wonder if he's, he's realised that going for Ian Blackford just does Ian Blackford's job in Scotland, and that giving them something which doesn't amount to a social media clip is probably of some help. I was talking to a, a Tory the other day who described Ian Blackford as a force multiplier, which I think is probably right. If you like that sort of thing, you tend to like it very much, and if, if you don't, um, it tends to uh, 
probably rub you up the wrong way. But, you know, he knows how to um, uh, wield the knife and flail it around his head a bit during PMQs and, you know, tsunamis of employment, Tory winters, and then an attempt to recreate that slightly dodgy uh, job advert meme um, that was flowing a day or so ago about Boris Johnson not knowing what his next job is. Um, so, you know, from his point of view, he tends to... Uh, drum up the votes he wants, I think. Yeah, I think uh, probably the most uh, significant uh, thing for the history of the union was probably that poll this lunchtime rather than uh, rather than Ian Blackford. Um, uh, do we think that Boris Johnson is closer to changing his mind on uh, circuit breaker lockdown now than he perhaps was this morning? Well, literally, physically, it's likely that he is because time <laughs> has passed since this morning. Oh, let's have um, a conversation about the, the, the concept of time. I don't think anything that's happened at Prime Minister's questions will have persuaded him that he needs to go and do that. Um, because, uh, yet again, the most interesting thing Keir Starmer said this week was not at Prime Minister's Question Time. It was a little bit like uh, Mrs Mannering in Dad's Army, where all you ever saw was her bottom hanging down from the, the upstairs bunk. And it feels a little bit like uh, PMQ's was a sort of bad episode of Dad's Army, and the really significant thing was was the bottom protruding before we even <laughs> arrived this morning. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box podcast. Uh, you can now listen back to my whole show on the Times Radio app, where you can also now listen to all of the Times podcasts, including Red Box 2. Make sure you subscribe and review the Red Box podcast wherever you listen. But for now, for me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.